Hey everybody, it's Eugene Driscoll of ValleyIndy.org. Welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie podcast. On this episode, my guest is Seymour First Selectman, Kurt Miller, who's a frequent guest of this podcast. We talk about a series of social media posts by various people in the town of Seymour that have generated controversy. That's the short story. You'll have to listen to the podcast for more. I hope it's not too in the weeds and confusing to follow, but I just listened to the podcast after I recorded a couple of days ago. It's a Sunday, July 19th, as I speak into this microphone alone in a room. It's 100 degrees outside. But I, it, I, I, it's awkward to talk about. It's difficult to talk about, but we talked about it. So just keep listening. But before we get to that, I just wanted to read this very important message from the Valley Community Foundation and others, to be honest. COVID-19, as you know, has changed life as we know it. And the Valley needs your help now more than ever. The region's health and human service providers face unprecedented challenges in meeting the needs of those affected by this pandemic. Some organizations are even at the risk of closing their doors. But you can make a difference right here in our community by joining with others in one of these three ways, give directly to nonprofits, participate in the Valley United Way's annual campaign, or support the Valley COVID-19 Response and Recovery Fund. Please visit valleyfoundation.org to learn more. Okay, now on with the podcast. <laughs> Just go like this. I'll add in the uh, the the other thing later. Uh, welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie Podcast. I don't know where to look. My name is Eugene Driscoll of ValleyIndie.org. My guest making a return appearance on the podcast for the first time in a couple of months is Seymour First Selectman, Kurt Miller. Welcome back, Mr. Miller. Always a pleasure to be here with you, Eugene. So I'm recording this in uh, what used to be a bedroom, now became a classroom because of COVID-19 and teaching the kids at home. I have my recording device to the left of me, a screen in front of me, and then the screen with Mr. Miller on the right. So I don't know where to look, and I apologize for the view in advance for Selectman Miller. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm used to uh, the great work you do on a shoestring budget, so. I appreciate that. Uh, do you wanna make any comments about my physical appearance? Do you want to get any insults out of the way? I know it's got to be tough for you. I do. I have grown a mustache. But it's not just a mustache. It is glorious. It's the, the last mustache like this I saw was on Kevin Costner and I believe Dances with Wolves. Oh, not a fan of that movie, but all right, I'll take it. Check it. It comes down. It goes underneath the chin. It's got a little hook to it. I mean, that, that takes some effort. It's unkempt. Uh, I, I thought it would hide some of my double chins, but if anything, it draws attention to them. So it's, I don't know. I don't know. Supposedly. You have, you have hockey hair too. Right. Yeah. Well, long flowing. What I'm trying yeah. to do, I'm trying to, and this is bad because this is only audio, but there's two Robert De Niro movies. Uh, he plays Max Cady in Fear. That's where he, Cape Fear, he gets out of jail and no. he's got the long, greasy hair. I'm going for that. And then De Niro in Jackknife, that movie he made in uh, Ed, with Ed Harris uh, in the 80s where he has a good mustache. So that's that's my motif. Uh, well, all right. You're in your way. So I thought we would talk about uh, I, there's no really, it's going to be an awkward episode. I, I might not even, uh, uh, use it because usually when something like when I start like sharing my opinions on things, I just delete the episode cause I babble on and it just doesn't sound good cause I'm not that eloquent nor intelligent, but you know, for years now I've observed that Seymour is a town where the board of selectmen gets together as an outside observer, you can't tell who's a Democrat and who's a Republican uh, on the board of selectmen. And there seems to be this tradition 
that's the way meetings are run in Seymour. I mean, there's one part of every Seymour Selectman meeting where basically there's a Selectman's report where every member of the board of Selectmen uh, just to, gets to say whatever they want. And nine times out of 10, it's about uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, emphasizing something positive that that's happened uh, in the town. It's very New Englandy. It's sort of an old school thing. Uh, and, and that's basically politics for a lot, uh, for a large part of what I've observed in Seymour. Yep. And we've talked about this, how Derby's more contentious and Sony is more contentious uh, generally, at least over the past 11 years. But in the last four weeks, Seymour has sort of become uh, engulfed in, I guess for lack of a better word, and it doesn't completely describe what's happening, the culture wars. We're seeing some of the national stuff uh, filter down, uh, particularly on social media. Uh, and I guess I'll just say right off the bat, I don't know how to talk about this without expressing a personal opinion. I know that can make people uncomfortable. And if you agree with me, you're probably, I mean, if you disagree with me, you're probably going to hate me, but uh, I don't know how else to have this conversation uh, because personal stuff comes in into play. So I guess a couple of weeks ago now, uh, Kurt, if I'm, yeah, I guess it was in June, an yeah. alternate, <clears throat> an alternate member of the board of finance shares a meme on Facebook. Actually, I don't know if that happened in June. Whenever that happened, that happened. In June, the Seymour Democrats, a Democratic town committee, shares uh, the alternate's share of a meme on their page. And the meme is, uh, it shows uh, bodies on a field that's supposed to be during the Civil War. Uh, and it says over 620,000 white people died to free black slaves. And still to this day, not even one thank you and were known, now known as racist. So the Democrats in a Facebook post say like, this is beyond the pale and this person should resign. And I know the New Haven Register wrote an article about it. The person did resign. How did it, did the, did the register write an article and the resi and, and the resignation happened? And I know you posted something about this. What what was the uh, the chronology there, Mr. Miller? Um, the meeting took place on a, I believe it was a Tuesday night, um, and immediately following. Wait, when you meeting, say the meeting, what meeting? A board of finance meeting. Okay. Uh, where the comment? Uh, well, I t let me take it back. The the post was put up. Um, and I believe a day or two later, there was a board of finance meeting. Um, the Democratic Town Committee chairman and a Democratic member of uh, the board of finance. I'm not sure if he's often or a member. Uh, you're, you're breaking up. African American. Can you restate that last sentence? You were starting to break up, unfortunately. Oh, sorry. Um, so the, the post was put up on social media. And then a day or two later, there was a meeting of the Board of Finance. At the meeting of the Board of Finance, the chairman of the Democratic Town Committee. Okay, so the, they, they both made comments um, during public comment about the post uh, and just their feelings of it. And that was the first time that the chairman, Bill Zawicki, um, had even heard of the situation. So after the meeting, he called. Um, and I wasn't aware of the post at that point either. Um, so we had a conversation about it. And Bill said, I'm going to have a, a phone call with him right now. And I'll let you know what comes of it. So Bill reached out to uh, to Paul Wedowitz, and they had a, a conversation directly. Uh, I got a text message uh, from Bill uh, a half hour, 45 minutes later, and said uh, Paul will be resigning from the board. Okay. And then... So the the okay. next day I got the resignation letter uh, from Paul that was shared to the board of selectmen and obviously shared with the public. Okay. And then you took to Facebook yourself on the office of first selectmen page uh, to, to do what you, you put a message on there to say what? Well, you know, with just with everything that's going on, um, I think we need to be very sensitive to what we post on, on social media, there's a lot of, um, you know, unhappiness in this country over, you know, certain events. And, you know, as public officials, you just need to be aware of what you post. And we should not be inflaming the situation. We should be working to 
try to make the situation better. We should have open lines of communication with one another and, and try to understand the concerns that other people have. And putting a post up there, while it may be historically accurate, um, I think just incited a lot of people uh, with everything going on. And it was just not an appropriate an appropriate thing to post out. Did the, I mean, one thing, and this comes into play later, I mean, just to, I mean, I'm not, I'll just, I thought it was a racist meme. I was thought, it was, I thought, I saw it and I was like, well, that's beyond the pale. Uh, did it strike you as a racist meme? I think if you put the word racist in anything, then it's probably racist. Um, I think if you're, you know, defining the difference between white and black, it's probably racist. And even if it's not, it, everything that's going on with the sensitivity that our country has, you probably shouldn't be putting that post out anyway. Yeah, now, it seems it been two or three years ago before you know this unfortunate situation took place with George Floyd. Um, would it have been as big a deal? I don't think so. Um, probably still inappropriate, but I don't think it would have been as as big a deal. And because some there are there's a contingent out there that, that that's on the Valley Indy Facebook page and that I've had like arguments with uh, who say and it's their opinion that the meme wasn't racist. I would just add to what you said. Uh, yeah, the context of this is it's clearly in response to a civil rights movement that's happening right now. Uh, right. After you know that's that's the context that that's the response to it. Uh, and I don't know if, if Mr. Wedowitz meant that when he when he shared it, but uh, I mean I looked at the the page of the person where it originated from and. Uh, and yeah, it, 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 it doesn't take into account how slavery was set up, the, the power structure there, obviously. Uh, it doesn't take into account Jim Crow and Reconstruction and lynchings uh, and right. sort of the mass horror that continued, uh, you know, uh, segregation up until 1964. And it sort of, it just completely dismisses all that. It's just sort of an ignorant, ugly uh, meme, as a lot of memes are. Uh, so what, and I just add that because I think there were some people who didn't, they didn't see it was, it was racist, but like, yeah, when you separate it and the way it's worded, it's the whites versus the blacks, essentially. Yeah. Uh, that's the way, that's the way I took it. So, but, but to the person's credit, resigned, apologized, you think that would be the end of the story. The register did a story. Uh, so there's that public humiliation factor that, that comes into play. Uh, mm -hmm. Then maybe a day or two after the register posts that story, a person, the former chairman, I believe, of the Seymour Republican Party put on my Facebook page a, a post by Christopher Bowen, who's a Democratic member of the Seymour Board of Selectmen, now running against uh, incumbent state rep Nicole Claritis Dietra. That said, uh, it was, I mean, it was profanity strewn saying, hey, I'm walking in the park with my dog and my dog is a rescue dog and it's a big tough dog and it'll eat your dog. So keep your effing, effing, effing dog on an effing leash, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he said the, the point being that Bowen should uh, resign for his use of language and it was being interpreted as sort of a literal threat uh, to Seymour residents and or his neighbors. Now, I didn't report on any of these things. What I did the day, Bowen had issued an apology saying that was wrong language. He mentioned that you had told them basically, hey, Bowen, don't do that. Uh, on the day both these things happened, I had two links on the Valley Indy front page, one to the register, register story about uh, the, the meme, and then one directly linking to Bowen's apology. Uh, but, I, I, you know, and again, this is opinion. I, I thought, Okay, so Bowen has a history of using profanity. I think anybody who's followed Seymour politics a little bit knows the guy curses a lot. We've talked about it on this podcast. I believe he cursed during the Great Give charity fundraiser uh, that I had uh, in May. Right. It's, you know, and I think I've even talked to him, I think on the record about, hey, that's really, you know, that's going to come back to you. Uh, it's kind of cringe inducing. You know, it's and I've talked to Stefan Bohuniak, the head of the Democratic Party, about the, the use of language and their attitude is, you know, that's it, it's OK. It's the way people talk or I, I don't want to put words into their mouth. But anyway, I, I had to point out to the person who 
posted Bowen's meme that you can't really compare that or Bowen's statement. I'm sorry. You can't really compare that meme saying that uh, still to this day, not even one thank you. And now we're known as racist to that post uh, filled with profanity and, and, and what have you. Uh, I thought that the timing was suspect. And so I said that I said, they're not the same. They're, it's just not, it's not the same. It's not an apples to apples comparison. And then the person said, well, what the, the meme's not racist. And then there was this whole thing of people, you know, trying to, to defend uh, the meme. And then since then, you've got your public works director. There's somebody in town who keeps on posting to Facebook, Valley Indy Page included. Um, and it's almost like ridiculous that we're talking about this. <laughs> it's exhausting right. a little bit. But so the, your, your, your uh, public works director, apparently, from what I've seen, uh, has a problem with raccoons in his yard. So he posts a, a video. He shares a video of a raccoon stealing garbage. And it's NWA's, I believe it was NWA's F the police yeah. uh, over it. And the person who's posting this is trying to say, well, okay, you got Bowen cursing and then you got your public works director. He should resign or he's equally racist because he posted a song that has the N word, uh, this NWA uh, old song. So I guess how do you navigate these things now? Uh, it was brought up maybe two days ago, I think it was July 14th, there was a meeting of uh, Department of Public Works where Deputy Selectwoman Anne-Marie Dragonis sort of addressed this and said, look, it's not acceptable to, acceptable to curse. It's not acceptable, uh, you know, to, to post, obviously, the meme that, that, that was posted. But now we've got this sort of uh, gutter politicking going on. Uh, so what's your reaction to all this after I blabbed on for 20 minutes here? Yeah, that was a doozy. You talked for like I don't know. Five, I don't. I'm, I don't know how else to to do it. No, that's you know? a, I, I took some notes, so I'll kind of I'll kind of <laughs> work my way through a bunch of answers. Um, so first, I want to say I, I don't believe Paul Wetowitz is a racist person. I think that the post that he put out is racist, in in my opinion. But I'm a I'm a middle aged white guy. I'm not 100% sure my opinion really matters because that meme was not meant to be insulting to me. I think it was meant to be insulting to African-Americans. So Kwame Brown, who is uh, African-American, member of the Board of Finance, if he feels that it is racist and insulting, then that's good enough for me to say that the meme is probably racist and insulting. But again, I don't think Paul, at his core as a person, is racist at all. Um, with regards to uh, Chris Bowen, the post that was put out, and, and this was done by you know, a wannabe politico who thinks he's going to try to get some political retribution against the Democrats in the town of Seymour. And he posts something that was a year old and kind of plays it off like it just happened. Now, when that post first came out, and I would agree with you, Chris's language sometimes is a little colorful. Um, but, you know, I picked up the phone, I called Stefan, had a conversation with him as the chairman of the party, and then I had a conversation with Chris and just said, you know, you're in a campaign running for the board of selectmen. If this was a real campaign, which, you know, if it was competitive, you probably would have sank your whole ticket with this outburst. You know, you're running for the highest elected board in the town. You need to hold yourself to a higher standard. And, you know, posts like this are not appropriate. And I think if you go back and look um, since then, I don't think there's really any of those posts that he has on, a, on his social media feed. Now, before that, if you look, there's tons of them. So, you know, I had that conversation with Chris. I cannot in I cannot force any elected official to resign. Paul Wedowicz chose, in my opinion, to do the right thing, and he resigned himself. I spoke with Chris Bowen again when this came out, 
and asked him what he wanted to do. And he said unequivocally, I am not resigning and I'm continuing to run for the 105th. So there's nothing that we can do to force him to either not run or to leave the board. That decision rests with the electors of the town of Seymour. Now, I would argue that that post was out four or five months before election day. So that would have come up, I think, at some point um, if people had a true concern with it. That's my that's my next uh, question, because I think I mean, look, I curse like a I don't want to say like a sailor because that that's you can't say that. I guess we could say Bowen curses like a sailor because he's a former sailor, uh, U.S. Navy. But I mean, I curse in my personal life a lot. Uh, you know, you well, as, could, do I, as we all do, I, I do another podcast for horror movies. Uh, you know, it's all, we, there's a, there's a language warning at the beginning of it, but you know, I try not to curse. I've never cursed in front of like my mother or father. Right. Uh, I, I try my best not to curse in front of my children. So, uh, uh, that's where I'm coming from. And I thought, cause I do think his past posts are definitely, uh, they should be in the public, uh, spec. I don't think that's a dirty tricks by, by pointing to those posts. I don't think that, uh, at all people might, that could change somebody's vote, uh, uh, based on seeing, you know, the use of language, uh, in that respect, they might think I'm not going to uh, vote for that person. So I get that, but the timing of it, like, uh, as you just inferred where it's the day after basically, oh, the Democrats, I guess, got somebody, you know, they, 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 they got, uh, an alternate on the, on the board of finance. Uh, it, it seemed to almost, you know, what's your motivation here then? Do you really care that, this candidate used bad language or are you just trying to get sling some political mud? It sort of goes to the, the uh, part of politics that people hate where there's not a genuine motivation. Uh, you know, you had this for all this time. You think something like this would come out uh, right before the election. Uh, but instead it's, it's used in response to what seemed like an obviously inappropriate, uh, disgusting meme. So right. what, what do you, am I, uh, is that sort of, am I wrong here? Am I just some kind of liberal pinko wacko or? Um, no, I mean, you know, the thing that I didn't like about, uh, what was done with the Chris Bowen post was that it was, it's timing was taken out of context. So, you know, when the post was originally put out, no one said, Hey, here's a post from a year ago. They made it seem like, because they took a screenshot, and I believe it said, you know, 12 hours ago or whatever it was, they tried to pass it off like it just happened. Oh, gotcha. And okay. That's, you know, that's where I have the problem with it. Um, listen, what Chris said was inappropriate. Um, but again, he said it on his personal page. He put it out. It's not hidden. And the residents, uh, you know, first the, the, Democrats, the Democratic Town Committee, as well as the Democratic Party, decided to put him up as a candidate and keep him as a candidate, even though those posts were out there. And the residents of the town of Seymour chose to elect him to the Board of Selectmen, even though those posts were out there. So there's not a lot, unfortunately, that we can do with that if Chris doesn't want to resign, which he doesn't want to do. Now, I would think that residents will remember that in the, at upcoming elections. Um, but that's that's a, a cross that Chris is going to have to bear himself. I mean, those are his words. And, you know, he apologized. And, and, you know, we have to move on. It is, unfortunately, it is what it is. And then going to sort of the third, uh, the third, the one that I'm aware about, because it keeps getting posted uh, on my page, is the uh the raccoon the raccoon uh stealing food with uh nwa's song over it uh is there any type of and you know what i have actually a a clip because your your public works director actually addressed it uh during the most recent meeting of the uh board of public works or is that am i saying that correct is that the name of the commission yeah no. okay no, board of public so at the beginning of this clip, it's about a minute and a half. The audio uh, is a little uh, sketchy because, hey, it's Zoom and COVID. But I think we're all used to bad audio right now. We're all on the production values of, of the Valley Indy at this point, uh, including like the Today Show. So let me just let's just play this because he, he talks about it, uh, which oh, I got to give credit to Seymour. It's this is all out in the open. It's not like this is festering. 
Uh, it's been brought up multiple times at, at public meetings. So let me see if I can do this. That's my cell phone. Here we go. More was brought in a post. Um, our public works act in a post, and there was plenty of people coming to the and saying the town, what you have done this town for you have done this town, the way the town looks, the way the department running. There is no better person for this position. There is no better public department out there than Seymour Department of Public Works. I'm very proud. I'm very proud to you know, say that. I, I heard, uh, listen, that post that you're, you know, and I'm going to tell it like it is. Go right ahead. That post was directed as a joke with me and my girlfriend because that post is exactly what's happening in my yard. A raccoon, we're feeding a stray cat and a raccoon is stealing the cat's food. So I said I, to my girlfriend as a, as a joke, saying this is what's happening in our yard. Yeah. No song, no rap song or anything. That, that never came to mind. No derogatory towards the police, nothing like that. But that really is happening in my yard where the raccoon is stealing our cat's food. So, <laughs> I mean, if people want to challenge that, really... That got shut really, down. I, I don't even feed it to that. Exactly. That got, that? Shut, that got shut down real fast. And it's just that we do, we, you know, we, we'll, we're addressing it at those, but this is an election year. And, you know, just some people are playing dirty. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that was uh, that clip. Uh, from that most recent meeting uh, that was the public works director explaining it. And I guess, again, the context of that is he shared a video uh, clearly meant to be humorous the, the, or the, the origination of the video was meant to be uh, humorous. You could argue whether it is, but it's a raccoon uh, stealing somebody's uh, food outside from a deck or something like that as uh, NWA's F the police plays over it, and the insinuation by the person who keeps posting it is that because it has the N word, uh, the, the the public works director uh, should be punished in in some way. But uh, I mean, I guess the if you follow that logic to its its conclusion, if you share an NWA video from the '80s, you're I guess you're racist, or uh, and I'm not sure if that is accurate. Uh, so what, what is your take on that? Because now you've got a case where this sort of gets more broad because now you're talking about public employees. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is there a social media policy in Seymour or is, is there somebody in town going, at, going out and looking at, say, the, the posts by police officers? What are police officers posting? What are they sharing? Uh, how does this complicate uh, the matter? I mean, it's, it's impossible for us to track every post or every social media uh, output by our employees. So if things are brought to our attention, we review them on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, you know, I was made aware of Tony's post um, and during this whole process, and I reviewed it. Uh, number one, it, it's meant to be funny. Um, because I did touch base with him, and the explanation that he gave in the meeting was the explanation that he gave to me. Um, secondly, I'm not sure that a song that was written and performed by NWA from the 80s is meant to be racist, because when they use the N-word in their song, it's meant in an entirely different way than if you and I were to use the N-word. So... It's not a racist song. If anything, it's a song that directs anger towards the police department. And if you, you know, watch the history of NWA and where that song came from, uh, you know, if you watch the movie about them, and who knows if it's a hundred percent factual true, but that song came from the fact that they were outside their studio, and the police came through on the ground, you know, roughed them up a little bit, and I believe it was Ice Cube at that point said you know, F you to the police officer. And from there, Easy e went on and wrote the song F the police. And that's kind of what that was, that was based on, on that situation of, you know, improper police behavior. And it was directed at those 
police in Los Angeles at the time that were inappropriate. It's not directed at every police officer. And again, everything even that's going on with with George Floyd and everything that happened, we cannot condemn an entire portion of people because you know a half a percent of those in that profession, or that profession, are, are quite honestly scumbags. They shouldn't they shouldn't be allowed to be police. The police officers that I know are excellent people. They care about the residents of their community. They want to do the right thing. But unfortunately, they're getting painted with that brush of a few bad people. You and I know there's bad politicians, there's bad journalists, there's bad attorneys, there's bad doctors. But we don't condemn the entire profession because of the actions of a few of them. So I think that song is along those lines. It was NWA's response to the interaction they had with these police officers. And it was their way of getting back with them because their managers, if you watch the movie said, don't do that. Don't put that song out. And those guys said, we don't care. This is our way of combating what we're seeing. So I don't think the post at all is racist. I think someone is trying to tie racism into that because it's a raccoon and they're trying to make that leap. Um, I think that's a very heavy reach. Um, I know Tony has a tremendous amount of respect for police officers, uh, especially the Seymour Police Department, who he works hand in hand with every day. And I think the Seymour Police Department, in my opinion, would probably back that statement up um, that Tony is is a good. So if anything, I think the police officers would be upset. I don't think it's racist in any way, shape or form. And anyone who is trying to push it that way. I think has a political motive behind it that they're trying to push a very specific agenda. And if you trace the person who is making the pushing that stuff on your Facebook page, you can very easily trace it back to the original source. And it is 100% political. You know, you grow up and you realize it's a protest song uh, right. along the lines of, you know, Bob Dylan singing masters of war. And it, that's, it's a long line of yeah. uh, a protest song. You may, agree or disagree with what it was said. And just to like put a cap on this conversation, I think the humor of it to sort of get down and explain it, the humor or attempted humor of the video, there's a rebellious spirit, obviously uh, in NWA, these are, you know, there are young guys uh, singing this incredibly uh, bold uh, statement at the time there in the eighties. And the, the humor was that, okay, you got a raccoon who's right in front of you, you got the camera on him and he's basically stealing your food and giving you the finger and singing a protest song as he does it. So that's the humor of it. I think, uh, I don't even know if uh, the public works director kind of, but that that's that's the gist of it. Uh, so if, if that's racist, I mean, we're, we're kind of lost here. Uh, the, the other thing I just kind of- Wait, can I, I want, can I build off that a little bit? Okay. Because, I mean, since we've opened this door, we might as well walk through it. I don't know if I'll um, ever post this. No, I'm yeah. Just... No, well, no, I don't, I don't think it's bad, but I, I think there's a difference between if you look at some of the protests that are going on now, um, and I am all for 100% without a doubt peaceful protests. I mean, I think that's one of the things that makes this country great. If a group of people want to get together and hold speeches and voice their opposition to something, I think that is absolutely fantastic. And I support that hundred percent, whether I agree with the cause or not, that's completely irrelevant. People have the right for honest, peaceful protest. If you think about it, that's what this country was built on. It was built on protest. So I'm all for that. And if you look at some of the chants, that are happening at these protests, they are substantially worse than what is said in that song. Or even if you look at the lyrics, the lyrics doesn't talk about killing police officers, maiming police officers. It basically just says, tell the police officer to go F himself. I'm not going to listen. I'm going to do what I want to do. When some of these peaceful protests are chanting, kill the police, and other things like that. So I don't see how that sounds worse than what is actually being said right now. I think some of what is being said right now is substantially worse. And, and again, I'm, you know, I think I fall down on the same side as you because a lot of my very good friends are police officers. And I know these guys are hardworking 
dedicated people that they go in, they punch in every day. They want to do the best thing they can. Their biggest thing is making sure they come home safe and sound to their family, but they actually want to protect and serve. And they don't care if a person is black, white, brown, green, blue, orange. They just want to do their job to uphold the law. So again, I'm not, I'm trying not to take a side because I'm, I'm friends with a lot of these guys. Um, but I think, to be honest, what's going on now in these peaceful protests, which I support, I think the rhetoric and the chants are substantially worse than that song. So if people have an issue with that song, then I think those people need to come out and absolutely be condemning the chants and the things that are being said now during the peaceful protests. I wasn't aware of any of the of the chants uh, happening. I know I've I've went to about uh, five locally uh, and I'm not saying local. I'm just saying across the country. Across the country yeah. yeah. And just for anybody who, uh, if you didn't go to any of the, the, the local ones, I think, I think there've been like seven, uh, and Sonia Derby and Shelton. Uh, I was struck by, there was definitely a, first of all, an incredibly diverse mix of people there. Uh, mm-hmm. and it was, it was almost like a community. Each one felt like a community parade, because there were children there, and it was more of a, a sense of unity, while also acknowledging that uh, you know black people get killed by police and mistreated by uh, police too much. Uh, so that it was, uh, and a lot of people wore masks. That was the other thing because I was paranoid. I wasn't big on. Uh, I was trying to maintain the social distancing, but you get to a point on like the Derby Shelton Bridge where it wasn't possible. Yeah. Uh, so I self quarantined for fourteen weeks and grew a mustache. But uh, anyway, that was a. Uh, uh, my uh, two cents on, on the protest. There was something else. Oh, I want. I know what I wanted to ask you, and I, I, have, I had follow up questions, but they all fall have fallen out of my head. This this effort here, this sort of uh, uh, you know trading of Facebook posts, uh, is it that the is it like being officially condoned by the GOP party? I mean, you're a Republican. Uh, they they had nominated you. Is it is there like a faction of the GOP here? Are you even in the GOP and Seymour anymore? What's the story there? Um, well, I can say this: that none of these posts or anything have anything to do with the current campaign that's going on. That's Nicole Claire's teacher. Um, her campaign was aware of these posts, um, but they decided, um, and you know, I, I'm a part of that day. Uh, they decided that that's not the way to win an election. The way to win an election is to go out and talk about the issues, to talk about uh, things that have been done, things that need to be done. And Nicole feels very strongly that her message is superior to that of her opponent and that she's not going to lower herself to gutter politics, that she's going to truly run on the issue. So that, you know, Nicole's been one of my dearest friends for a long time, and that makes me very proud fact that that's the way she wants to run her campaign um this as for the seymour rtc i don't believe that they're behind pushing this out either uh, i am no longer a member of the seymour republican town committee um i think it's just the actions of a few rogue individuals again that deem themselves politicos that are just trying to score some points or or, or do something that's who's behind and pushing a lot of this, a lot of this stuff, you know, if, if people have issues, if you want to say issues, put your name on it and come out and say it, don't hand something to a friend to do your dirty work for you. And one thing that I find distressing just over the last couple of days, I mean, we're, we're recording this, uh, July 16th, my wife's 40th birthday. Happy birthday, Autumn. Uh, oh, happy birthday. I got you a podcast with first electric Kurt Miller. Yeah. Uh, that's right. You know, there was a shooting in Ansonia Tuesday night, two people, two men shot um, on a street uh, on the north end. And so you go there, you cover it as a reporter, you try to get as much information as available, which is you know never a lot. It's covering chaos. Uh, so I, I post something online and in this current political climate, I mean, the first post would blame Black Lives Matter for the shooting in Ansonia. And uh, I just deleted it. Because I, I don't know, how do you, and then everybody else, there was a whole bunch of posts. Uh, nobody has an original thought, including myself, but it was all, well, we, we, oh, we want to defund the police. Oh, we want to defund the police. And I just, 
when that happens, I get that people have strong feelings on the national level about the uh, these issues, but it's like locally you try. I mean, Ansonia is not defunding their police department. It doesn't apply here. They just they just spent another three million dollars on top of what eleven million dollars. They're building a new police station. Ansonia is fully funding its police department and how and you know and more. So right. I just I, I get frustrated. Uh, because it just it just creates. I mean, you do one of those, and then there's 19 comments, and people are at each other's throat, uh, and then it's just saying Black Lives Matter is somehow responsible for the shooting. We don't know the race of any of the victims or the suspects. None of that is even to just blanketly say, "Oh, it's Black Lives Matter." I just I've just started to delete those, uh, and you can see and 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 in Seymour to some extent, where these things you can see how divisions uh, can really. Uh, hurt a community. And I think now more than ever in, in the lower Naugatuck Valley with COVID and the economic impact from, from COVID and whatever's coming down the road in terms of economic impact, if not more a resurgence uh, of COVID, we have to stick together uh, because, you know, you got to put us put aside those political beliefs uh, to survive locally. And I don't know if uh, if you have uh, share that same belief. My daughter has come back in. Emma, I have to just, you ruined my big soapbox speech. I'll be, I'll be right out. So what are your thoughts on that in terms of, I'm going to give it to her in, in, as soon as I'm off this podcast, I will give mommy her present. All right. Sorry. I'm gonna have to edit that, but you know what I'm saying, Kurt? Like, I don't mean to be Pollyanna, but like, you know, it's just the divisiveness can really kill a, a community especially one like ansonia and derby where you know we got to get something going with our, our economies here i i think the thing the unfortunate thing in this um you know with everything going on with what happened i think is it is a part of that uh, and i think we see it in other things you know our political climate is driven by the far left and the far right because they are so far apart that they feel that they need to throw grenades at each other, where the, I think the vast majority of the country is somewhere in the middle, where you might have a, we'll call it a moderate Republican and a conservative Democrat, if that makes any idea. I think what separates the vast majority of us, we probably agree on 80% of everything. And there's that 20% difference that separates us. But I think the people that actually want to get things done will say, well, you know what? I disagree with you, Eugene, on this social issue but I agree with you on these nine other issues. So I'm going to hold my nose on this one issue, but I'm going to work with you on these other nine and let's get something accomplished and get something done. Whereas the, the extremes, the far left and the far right will say, I don't agree with you, Eugene, on that one issue. So you know what, everything else you say is stupid and I don't want to work with you. And that's the problem. And those people seem to be the keyboard warriors, the ones that push this craziness online, they try to push these agendas, and they try to block things getting done. We had uh, the four Valley mayors and the four Valley police chiefs uh, met with Greg Johnson, you know, Valley NAACP, and we had an excellent conversation because it was behind, it was behind closed doors and we could all speak honestly and frankly. And I'm going to tell you something, we were just about all on the same page that you know, what's going on with this George Floyd thing, how, and I shouldn't say thing like I'm dismissing it, but, um, you know, what are the changes we need to make and some, and some different things? We were all pretty much on the same page that none of us has the answer. None of us has that magic bullet that we can use to get all this done. But the one thing that we all agreed on is that there needs to be open lines of communication. We actually need to talk to each other. Because what Greg and his kids feel are very different than what myself and my son feel. Because we're in completely different situations. I don't know what it's like to be a young black man in this country. I don't know what it's like to have that fear of getting pulled over and what could happen. So hearing his perspective, I think, was very enlightening. But I think also him hearing my perspective I think was very enlightening to him that though I don't have an answer, I'm open to the conversations of somehow creating an answer. 
But again, it's not about condemning an entire profession of individuals because it's not the profession that's bad. It's a handful of people within that profession. And the one thing that drives me absolutely crazy is the defund the police department arguments. That is absolutely insane because crime will be substantially worse. Problems will be substantially worse if we do not have some type of law enforcement available. Now, I, I can go along with some of the conversations about having some type of social workers on staff in the police department to potentially go along with the patrols, but you cannot have a police officer and a social worker riding in a car together because you know this better, much better than I do. Police officers are in pairs for a reason because they're trying to protect one another. So, you know, having those conversations are, are a great thing. And I'm excited that the legislature is going to take it up in special session that they're going to have open and honest discussions about ways to make things better. And uh, unless we have these conversations, that's never going to happen. But the conversation needs to be had by the people who actually want to work together. You can't have the crazies on the far left and the crazies on the far right leading the conversation. Unfortunately, that's what you hear on social media. Uh, in terms of defund the police, uh, I hear what you're saying. It's such a, it's a, it's a term. But I saw it, I just saw it yesterday explained as uh, from somebody in New Haven. Well, when I'm saying defund the police, I'm saying uh, maybe give more money to education. Do, you, do, do the police departments need, uh, you know, the, a 5% increase every year? Or can you give that uh, to education and programs in places uh, where it's needed? That's how it was sort of explained to me. And then I thought like, oh, well, yeah, what if they took, there was the whole thing for a couple of years there where the drug seizures uh, if, you know, you, the police could make money off uh, seizing property if the property was connected to drug dealing. Well, instead of that going to the departments, does that go to education? Is that a quote unquote defund the, the police uh, initiative? Uh, you know, I guess but, but my pushback on that is, is this is the issue at hand is the way the officers are reacting. It has nothing to do with with the kids. So let's say we have better educated kids that have more, I don't know, whatever would be the outcome of that. Would that have changed what happened to George Floyd? I don't think so. I think what we need to do is instead of defunding the police office, the police departments, I think we need to be looking at expanding training and opportunities for us to improve our police officers. If you look now, our police officers essentially go through one psychological test, and that's right when they're hired. So if you have a, an officer, let's say, who's in a, a major city like New York, Chicago, someplace like that, 10 or 11 years into the job, they've probably seen some pretty bad stuff that psychologically could have an impact on them. So don't we think it's in our best interest to, one, make sure that these officers are getting tons of training but at the same time, we're also taking care of their mental well-being. And if they have these psychologicals, let's say every two or three years, where they're reviewed, and it's determined that potentially an officer has um, some issues, wouldn't it make more sense to spend some money getting that person the help that they need, the counseling, the support, whatever it is, and start taking some of these people out of the field that have these problems? I think that would be a better use of money than just arbitrarily pouring more money into our schools because the, the problem is not the people that are getting killed. The problem is the handful of police officers that probably shouldn't be police officers. So that's how I guess I would counter that argument. Although then I'm just thinking like, and one thing that's been brought to my attention, uh, in Connecticut especially, is just, I mean, we're still segregated. I mean, education, we're still, in my opinion, completely, I mean, Derby, to some extent, is segregated. Uh, it's the, you know, there seems to be some systemic issues uh, that, uh, you know, just, I don't know, I'm not going to, I don't want to get too off, because uh, we're an hour into this, 
but uh, you know, there, there, there do seem to be some issues. I mean, the other, other thing I would say that I think uh, another thing that sort of happened in police work is after 9-11, uh, you know, there is that it's like pol police officers shouldn't be robots. They shouldn't be. Uh, it's 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 a paramilitary organization, I guess. But I, I think that has had an effect, too, when you start thinking you're, uh, you know, a, a soldier that that's probably not the mindset. And if people want to see right. there's a there's a great documentary that was gone for a long time. Uh, it's called The Police Tapes. It came out in 1977. It's shot in New York City. Uh, in the South Bronx, the Bronx is burning, gets uh, uh, romanticized. But this in this documentary, you see it for what it was. Uh, and it was made by, I believe, two sociologists. It was sort of like a dissertation. Uh, and it's it's horrifying to watch. But you do see like back then, I mean, this whole talk of uh, police officers and social workers. These guys are clearly part social workers. They're clearly uh, the things they're saying, and they talk about how the, crime, the the problem here is poverty, and these are the patrol officers and the sergeants. They're saying, you know, the issue here is that uh, there's no jobs. They, today, I'm, these cops would be probably branded uh, libtards. Uh, but at the same time, then you see them clearly abusing people, where uh, it's this bizarre mixture of, uh, you know, social work and police brutality uh, going hand in hand. So I would just recommend uh, anybody uh, see that if you can. Uh, I guess, all right, so it's the 50-minute mark. I haven't asked you yep. anything, like, in terms of Seymour News. So maybe what we'll do is maybe you can come back. Maybe we'll do a Kurt Miller Part 1 and Part 2, and we can yep. arrange for you to come back next week because there's a whole bunch of Seymour issues um, interested in as well, because mm -hmm. the fact that all this, your meetings go online to YouTube right now is a lifesaver for me because I'm yeah. actually, I, I fall asleep every night. And I'm like, Oh, what's the police commission up to? Oh, there was a joint meeting of the economic development commission there. Cause I wanted to ask you there, there, there's, there's, you know, some just, uh, not routine, but there's other stuff uh, I wanted to get to you uh, or talk about, but I don't think we're, we're, we're going to be no one's going to listen to this part. They're, they're, they've all tuned out yeah. by, by now. So does that sound okay to you? No, no, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of good things going on in Seymour, but like you said, we keep it below the radar, nice and quiet. Uh, we all get along. And that's because we have a plan and we follow that plan. So there's no anger on the boards. We don't fight. Everybody knows what to expect. And, you know, we move forward together. All right. So on that positive note, uh, this is Eugene Driscoll on behalf of Seymour First Selectman Kurt Miller saying uh, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>